Hi, welcome to the Written by Rich Osick podcast. I love a good time travel story. To be honest, I love a bad time travel story. There's something about the notion of being able to move through time, especially when the traveler makes inadvertent changes to their own past with hilarious results that I just can't get enough of. Scientists will tell us that this is, of course, impossible. But that doesn't stop it from being a standard story device for every science fiction TV series ever. Look how popular Doctor Who is. So, I thought it was time to have a little fun with the time travel genre and introduce some new characters I hope to use in the future, or maybe the past, who work at a private think tank. And what do geniuses who have nothing to do all day but sit around and think actually do? Let's find out. Enjoy. The Time Cop Paradox As usual, I was the first one to arrive at work. I liked this job. It was much better than tending bar for the neighborhood gin joint down the street but nothing at all what I expected working at a think tank to be like. The National Institute for New Ideas, or NIFNI, wasn't anything fancy like the Rand Corporation, staffed with dozens of the top people in myriad fields. It was me and five other thinkers who mostly solved problems for our eccentric billionaire boss. The others were incredibly smart people with stratospheric IQs. So, what was an ex-bartender doing working with a room full of geniuses? Well, I was hired to fill the void for the one thing they were all deficient in, common sense. We all worked in a giant communal office in the middle of which was my desk. I set down the newspaper I had picked up on my way in and opened it to the comics page. A minute later, Worm entered. Worm was short for bookworm, essentially a nickname for a nickname. He was a one-time Jeopardy champion from the days before they let the winners keep going past five wins. He was a top money winner from that era, but it always bugged him that they had changed the rules and players like Ken Jennings became huge celebrities. He spent a good portion of his day petitioning the game show to reinstate the restriction and revoke Jennings' illegitimate wins. Good morning, Worm, I said. He ignored me and sat down at his desk in the corner, picked up a book from one of the several stacks surrounding him, and started reading. He was, of course, a speed reader and spent three or four seconds on each page before flipping to the next. A real page-turner? I asked. Worm paused to look at me over the top of his reading glasses. That joke wasn't funny the first hundred times you said it, he muttered. I smiled. He was right, of course, but it always amused me to see him react. The next person to enter was Susie, or rather Dr. Susie. She had more advanced degrees than there were Fast and Furious movies, including the Hobbs and Shaw spinoffs. Morning, Susie, I said. Susie smiled at me as she set the cardboard box she was carrying on her desk. Good morning, Jack, she replied. How's today's Wordle coming? Oh, I gave up on those, I answered. Sudoku? Boring. Crossword puzzle? Takes too long. Jumble, I nodded. I like the pictures that go with it. Of course you do, she said politely, yet condescendingly. Hey, there may be a cute cartoon, but it's still very challenging, I said. She started pulling items out of the box and assembling them on her desk. One of her degrees was in electrical engineering, but she was also a chemical engineer, structural engineer, and an accomplished theoretical physicist. So whatever she was building could be anything. It was interesting to watch her work but even more entertaining to watch Worm watch her work. Her activity had distracted him from the thick book he was now halfway through. I could tell that as she removed items from the box and set them on her desk, he was growing increasingly perplexed and frustrated. Finally, he couldn't keep silent any longer. What in the world are you building? he asked. A time machine, Susie replied without looking up from her work. Did you say time machine? I did. Time travel is impossible, Worm said. Says the guy who can quote every line from Time Cop, I interjected. Time Cop is Jean-Claude Van Damme's masterpiece, Worm replied defensively. 
Both he and Ron Silver deserved Oscars for that movie. Susie and I sighed simultaneously. Worm's love for books was rivaled only by his love for Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Personally, I preferred Jackie Chan's work in the genre, but Van Damme was a close second. But, Worm continued, I like it because of the flawless pairing of thrilling action with witty dialogue, not because of the science. Exactly, Susie agreed. You don't need to drive a high-speed sled into a brick wall to travel through time. You can't travel through time at all, he insisted. Correct, Susie affirmed. Technically, time is traveling through you. He scratched his head. That doesn't make any sense at all, Worm countered. It does if you're smart enough. Worm stuttered and stammered for a moment. Besides, Susie added, if two versions of the same person from different timelines were to touch, they wouldn't melt together into a CGI blob like Ron Silver did in Time Cop. Of course not, Worm agreed. The energy from the time differential would create an instantaneous explosion equivalent to a small yield tactical nuclear bomb. Susie laughed. <laughs> There's no way that would happen. How could it not? Whichever way you travel through time, you need to impart energy into the system to make that happen. So when that differential is bridged, it has to go somewhere. Are you going to believe some silly action movie or an actual theoretical physicist? Susie asked. Worm stared her down. Susie stared back even harder. Worm blinked first. It's not silly, he said in his defense. Susie smiled and continued plugging various components into each other. You know, she said, it also doesn't make sense for someone who changes their own past to retain memories from their previous timeline. In fact, it doesn't make any sense for them to return to their new present. They would simply cease to exist, and the alternate version of themselves would take their place. Not necessarily, Worm replied. The person that was in the timeline before could be the one who ceases to exist. Wow, so Van Damme essentially killed the version of himself that was leading a perfectly happy life so that the other version that had caused the death of his family could alleviate his guilt. Nice. Don't mock Van Damme, Worm warned. I'm just saying either way the movie is horribly flawed. Real time travel isn't anything like that. That's because there is no real time travel. I'll remember you said that when you want me to take you back in time to challenge Ken Jennings in the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions. Worm grunted, then returned his attention to his book. I got up to take a closer look at what Susie was doing. So, if you have a time machine, how come you haven't traveled back in time to buy a lottery ticket or something? I asked. It's not finished yet, she replied. What do you need? I don't know. You don't know? I asked, surprised that Susie would admit there was actually something she didn't know. I have no idea what it needs, but I'm 99% done. Flux capacitor? I suggested. Susie shrugged. Could be. There's no such thing as a flux capacitor. Worm said from behind the pages of his book. Susie ignored him. I'll figure it out eventually, she said confidently. Why are you working on it now if you don't have all the components you need? I asked. Well, when I do figure it out, I'm going to finish the time travel machine, travel back in time, and give myself the part so I can use it in the future to travel back in time. Oh, for Pete's sake, and a box of snakes, Worm said loudly. Now I know you're messing with me. You can't build a time machine by expecting you'll solve the problem in the future and sending yourself the solution in the past so that you have it in the future. That's not even a paradox. That's just ridiculous, says the man with zero PhDs, Susie replied casually. I don't need some fancy letters after my name to know that what you're saying is complete and utter nonsense. To a small-minded person who doesn't understand how to disconnect cause and effect. You can't have the effect before the cause, Worm shouted. If you say so. Susie replied, continuing connecting the various parts of her time machine together. Worm was fuming. 
Susie gave me a surreptitious wink. When do you plan on giving yourself this mysterious missing part? I asked. Susie snapped the final pieces of her device together, then looked at her watch. Now would be good. All of us, Worm included, looked at the door to the office expectantly. Nothing happened. Ha! Worm exclaimed. I knew it! I knew you were messing with me! He slammed his book shut and slammed it on his desk. Yes, I was right! You were wrong! He did a sort of dance, all like a jig around the office. I was right, you were wrong, he sang. There's no such thing as time travel. He danced his way over to the door. Did you really think I would fall for that? That I would believe that some future version of you is going to show up and hand over some magical part that would light up your mythical time machine? How stupid do you think I am? Worm asked. A second Susie appeared in the doorway. About as stupid as a sea cucumber with a lobotomy, she answered. Worm was so surprised he tripped over his own feet and tumbled to the ground. He recovered and got up, acting as if he had meant to do that. But how this... Worm sputtered. You're late, the original Susie said to her future self. This watch you bought us is slow, future Susie replied. Did you bring it? Now Susie asked. Of course, I'm not as addle-brained as our friend here, future Susie said, nodding in Worm's direction. This is impossible, he said. Is one of those books in your desk a dictionary? Because maybe you need to look up the definition for that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, future Susie said, quoting Manny Patinkin from The Princess Bride. What is this? Worm asked suspiciously. Some kind of holographic projection? He reached out and touched future Susie. She was solid. He touched her arm, her shoulder, her hair. Careful, now Susie warned. That's the most physical contact he's had with a woman in years. He might think you two are engaged if you let him keep doing that. Worm looked back at now Susie and rolled his eyes. For your information, I had a date last week. Really? What day? What was her name? Remember, I have a time machine now. I can go back and check, she said. Worm swallowed. I'm not going to tell you. That's private information, he insisted. What's her name, Bet? Future Susie asked. Bet you spent the night alone watching a Jean-Claude Van Damme marathon, now Susie added. Both Susies laughed. That same exact five-note chuckle that ended in a smirk. Future Susie pulled out a small circuit board with a mysterious glowing crystal set in its center from her pocket. One time crystal, ready to use, she said to now Susie. She started walking toward her younger self. Wait! Stop! Worm yelled. Don't touch her! We all looked over at Worm. His eyes were filled with panic. The time differential! Don't let her touch you! Don't be ridiculous, Worm, now Susie said. This is not time cop. I'm not going to explode or meld with myself if we touch. That's just a cinematic fantasy. Are you willing to take that chance? He asked. Now Susie and future Susie exchanged a look, then shrugged. Future Susie tossed the time crystal to now Susie, who caught it in midair. She turned it over in her hands, admiringly. I did a good job on this. Yes, you did. Now, can you plug it in so I can justify existing in this timeline? Future Susie asked. Of course, now Susie replied. But where did it come from? Worm asked. I brought it, future Susie explained. You're giving her a device that already existed in the future so she can use it now, but when was it actually built? Right now, now Susie replied. No, that's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. You didn't build it. You can't just pluck things out of the future without them having an origin at some point in the past. Right, now Susie agreed. And now is my future self's past. I don't understand why this is so difficult for you to comprehend. It's happening, so obviously it's possible. I see that it's happening, Worm agreed, but... He looked in my direction. 
Does any of this make sense to you? Well, like she said, it's happening right now, so obviously it must be what she says it is. Worm shook his head. No, no, this can't be real. I must be dreaming. That's it. I'm still at home in bed. This is a dream. Of course, he seemed relieved. Phew, for a second I thought I was losing my mind, he laughed. <laughs> I need to remember this one and tell you guys about it when I get into work. Future Susie reached over to Worm and pinched him as hard as she could on the arm. Ow! he exclaimed. Still think you're dreaming, genius? she asked. Worm's relief evaporated, and dread crept into his expression. I'm not dreaming? he asked, rubbing the spot on his arm Future Susie had pinched. Maybe I'm the one dreaming, I offered. Worm ran his fingers through his hair, muttering to himself, trying to come up with some rationale that would mend his shattered world view. Well, thanks for stopping by, now Susie said. No problem, future Susie replied. She crossed over to her past self, arms outstretched. Now Susie smiled and opened her own arms to accept her future self's embrace. No, don't, Worm shouted. He ran out of the office, screaming. Evacuate the building! Everyone, get out! His voice faded as he got further and further away. The two Susies hugged. Nothing happened. They didn't meld together into an unstable blob. They didn't explode. Do you want to introduce me? I asked. Now Susie stepped back, sharing a conspiratorial smile with herself. Jack, this is my sister, Lucy. Lucy offered her hand to me. Nice to meet you, Jack. Twin sister, I assume. I didn't even know you had any siblings at all. Yeah, we don't tell people. Makes it easier to pull pranks like this. I admire your dedication. You're like Christian Bale in that movie, The Prestige. Yeah, we told Christopher Nolan he could use the idea as long as he never gave us credit. You know Christopher Nolan? I asked. Not as far as you know, Lucy answered. She turned to Susie. By the way, you're still on for going to that charity thing with my husband this Saturday, aren't you? I'll be there. Totally worth it to see Worm running out of the building thinking he was going to die in a time explosion. No sex with him this time, Lucy warned. I won't make that mistake again, Susie promised. Later. Lucy looked me over. This one is cuter than you let on, she said to her sister. 120, Susie replied. Lucy nodded knowingly. Ah, oh, still, she added, looking me over lasciviously. She strutted out of the office. I turned to Susie. 120, I asked. Your IQ. We don't sleep with anyone under 150. Sorry. I shrugged. Good to know. Susie swept up all the pieces of her time machine into the box she had brought them in and sat in front of her computer and started scanning emails while browsing the web. I returned my attention to the jumble puzzle on the comics page. I chuckled to myself as I read the clue. A martial arts vehicle blocking a river is called a... I filled the letters in the space provided. Van Dam. Thank you for listening to the Time Cop Paradox on the Written by Rich Hosick podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this story. I had fun writing it. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app or download my stories on Audible. Give me a like or five stars and a quick review. And most importantly, share my weekly audio tales with your friends or anyone who enjoys audiobooks. Speaking of audiobooks, if you're a fan of the paranormal, I'm currently presenting the audio version of my novel Near Death, A Rainy Day Investigation that I co-wrote with my television writing partner, Arnold Rudnick, and our collaborator, parapsychologist Lloyd Auerbach, on this very podcast. New chapters are posted weekly, so don't forget to check them out as well. And if you're looking for other original story podcasts, check out As Read By Me at, not surprisingly, asreadbyme.com. They have an eclectic mix of fiction, poetry, and essays that are sure to keep you entertained, all read by the authors. 
You can find out more about me at richhosick.com, follow me on Twitter at richhosick, on Facebook at Written by Rich Hosick, and don't forget to check out my books on Amazon and follow me there to make sure you get notified of my new releases. Thanks again, and all the very best.